So we're going to jump right into Scripture. Sound good? We're going to jump right in. Okay, good. Good. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. Uh, if you're new here with us, and there's, uh, it's going to be on the screen as well. And I just, want, I just thought we'd start just reading uh, the Scripture first, let it sit in a little bit, and move forward from there. So let's do that. Here's Jesus uh, speaking in the middle of Matthew's Gospel He's sharing a whole bunch of stories or parables, and here's just a couple of them back to back. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches." He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowds in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Let's take a moment and pray. And as I pray this morning, I want to pray for our friends and our partners um, in, uh, in Central Asia, uh, missionaries that we support there, and uh, we just want to lift them up in prayer even as we, as we pray this morning. Father, um, first we just say thank you for who you are, what you're doing in us, and the opportunity to gather and worship and learn and grow and connect today as we are freely. Um, we think about our friends, um, Andrew and Renee in in Central Asia, God, is they partner with the church there. And we pray, God, for what's happening even this day among uh, your church around the world, and particularly there. We pray for encouragement and hope, uh, for a movement of your Holy Spirit. We pray for the various resource needs that uh, are continually before them and that we can be a part of and want to continue to be a part of to fund and fuel um, God, we pray for how your spirit is showing people who Jesus is in that region. And um, that we would um, in some ways be surprised and in some ways not be surprised that that continues to happen um, with just a joyful anticipation. And um, God, we pray as we just read these parables, Lord, that you'd speak to us, lead us, guide us, show us who you are, show us what your kingdom is like, what your ways are like, what your vision for us is like, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Interesting little parable. Let me tell you a story first, though. About six or seven times a year, I have an uncle that lives close by, and um, he calls me, and he he books me. He's like, David, I'm going away for a few days. And he said, can you please come and water my plants? Like seven times a year. And from probably from like March till like September, I get these calls periodically and I'm gone, can you come? Now, the interesting thing is, like, in the summer, it's not too bad. You know, you just kind of go take a hose and start watering or uh, maybe some water cans. But in, like, March or April or May, um, it's, it's, it's different. I have to go inside his house, and he has uh, often in his basement, like, a whole bunch of plants with some lights over it. And, uh, and then up in his living room near his, uh, his windows as well, because he grows everything from seeds, everything from seeds. Like anything that's in his garden this summer, he's, he started it from seeds. So the first time I go, like in March or April, sometimes like all I'm doing is watering dirt. 
I'm like, what, what am I watering here? I see nothing. But he's like, please go. They need water. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. And I'll go every day while you're gone. Like he just, you know, he, make, he calls me. He texts me. Make sure, did you go today, you know? So the first, like early in the season, I see nothing. I just see like dirt. And then I see like things pop up sometimes. Or later on, I see a couple of inches. And it's really delicate. I'm afraid I'm going to break one because they're really thin. And, and, uh, but I, I water them all. And then he gives me a thumbs up when he comes back home. And the, the beauty of this is really to watch them grow from nothing into something. And by the time like the middle of the summer hits, you're having tomato salad because something started earlier in February or March under the earth in these little planters. And they're like full-blown And I love that image because that image is kind of the image that we see in the Gospels when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven or what God is doing and how he works in the world. In fact, whenever you hear um, the word gospel, you need to attach it to the word kingdom because Jesus came announcing the gospel of God's kingdom. He didn't just come announcing a, a, like a, a one little message or just how people can come to faith or how someone can get to heaven. He came announcing the good news of God's kingdom, that God's kingdom was, was doing, God was doing something fresh and fulfilling and climactic in history and moving forward. And that was Jesus' main message. And so often he describes what the kingdom is like. And he shares these stories, these strange, obscure stories about what that's like. And in fact, often he uses things like seeds and along those lines. But it's in response to this question, what is the kingdom like, Jesus? Like, what is, how is God going to work? How is he going to move? Jesus loved to share these parables. It was kind of confusing to people because he shares these parables and they didn't, everyone didn't get it. And then he kind of chats with his disciples in private. Like, I, I know that story. Maybe it confused you. Let me tell you exactly what it means. And it was a way to kind of jar people, shock people, stir people, make them think a little bit, stop them in their tracks and wonder like, really, what is God doing? What has my perception been of God? What has my perception been of what he's up to? And these images come up often of seeds or farmers or sowing or, or plants or soil or, 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 or watering. And here's this famous one of a mustard seed that has been probably used or talked about or preached maybe more than any other parable. But it's a, such a beautiful one. In fact, in Mark's gospel, when Mark tells us that Jesus says this, Jesus sets it up with this kind of like rhetorical question. What is the kingdom like? What picture can I, can I give you to show you what God's work and God's kingdom is like? And so Jesus is answering this question. How does God work? What is God up to? What is his kingdom like? How do I recognize it? How do I align myself to it? Like, how do I know that I'm, I'm also living the way of the kingdom or participating in that? And the how is really giving us God's MO. Like, if God had a company, what would the culture be like? If God had an organization, what would the ethos of the organization be like? If there was a specific strategy, what's the posture in that? And we obviously know that God's project in the world includes the church, includes people, includes a clear message. We obviously know from the scriptures and from many of our own experiences that it was sending Jesus to the world and and then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit would continue to work in us and guide us and lead us. But is there a way that the kingdom unfolds and develops? Is there a posture to the word, to the way the kingdom works? And I think the way parables work is to give us this contrast, like this is different 
than this. You think I'm going to work this way, but I'm going to show you that I work in a different way. So, Beth, please don't show the next slide yet. I was, gonna, I was thinking about this, and, and I, I came upon West Island blog site, and uh, there's this new lawn care company in Point Claire. Have you heard of it? They've completely changed their direction. And I'm like, amazing. This is going to be like pretty cool. And this is the new lawn care development company in Point Claire. So they have these six sheep that uh, they've acquired or bought or, I don't know, inherited. I don't know how they got them. And here's, here's the storyline. Point Claire brings echo grazing sheep to take care of grass cutting. That amazing? It's like scrap the guy in the tractor. We've got sheep now to do this. And so what they've done is not obviously not all of Port and Claire. And I doubt they're going to they're gonna let them loose on the 40 and cut the kind of ramps there. You know, I doubt that's the case. That would be bad. Watch out for them. But um, some, some park, I think, near Point Claire Village, they're, they're, they're letting them loose. And uh, they're not going to use a lawnmower. They're just going to cut the grass or munch on the grass or eat the grass. And then it's going to be taken care of. And there's other things. And as soon as you see that, like, it's like just when you think, what kind of new lawn care are we going to use? Or just when you think, is there a better way? Or just when you think, I know how this is going to work, this comes along and says, oh, well that, that looks different. That doesn't seem like the way I would have done it. That's strange. Maybe that's a good use of your money, Point Claire. I don't know, right? And it's definitely nice to look at. And that's what kind of, Jesus does that with his parables. He, he throws these stories in a way to, con, to contrast the ways of the world and the ways of God. See, the Roman Empire and the emperor of the time would never stand up and compare his rule to a mustard seed. Right? He would never talk to the people and call the people and say, the Roman Empire functions like a little seed. Right? King Herod, who was given authority over the Jews at the time, would never use a simple metaphor like that to describe himself or to describe what he was envisioning for the people. I could just imagine at the G Summit in Quebec this week if Donald Trump got up and said, America is like a mustard seed. I, I doubt that would happen. I don't think Angela Merkel would do that. I don't think Justin Trudeau would do that. I don't think uh, the France prime minister or the Italian one would do that. I, I, I doubt they would say our national vision is small and seems insignificant. But you just watch. Something's going to happen. No, they come out roaring, right? They come out roaring. This is who we are. This is what our nation is meant to be like. You know, sometimes we say, but what about Israel? Wasn't Israel, like we hear all these amazing stories from the Old Testament, and it's true. We read these climatic stories of Israel, how God worked through them. But even at its peak, Israel was always the smallest nation, had the smallest budget, and had the smallest military. God was doing something in the world in contrast to how the world worked. And he's doing the same thing with Jesus and how his kingdom is coming. And so this mustard seed image is a contrast to how God's kingdom doesn't work like you think it's going to work. That the growth of God's kingdom and the flash of God's kingdom and the approach of God's kingdom is not like the world pursues stock prices or IPOs or military attacks or large Twitter followings or Facebook followings, or whatever you want to call it. The world works like that. God does not expect us to partner with his kingdom in the same way and does not expect us to expect God's kingdom 
to function in the same way. We don't have time to go into the depths of what God's kingdom is, but basically it's God's rule, God's way, God's vision, God's character, God's people. And when Jesus came preaching the gospel of God's kingdom, it was what God was doing in the world. This was good news. But here's what this parable helps us understand. Not just the the potential for growth, but these two words, that there's a smallness to how God works in the world. Now you might be saying, why would you say that about God? God is so big. He is so incredibly huge and mighty and strong. But there's a smallness to how God works in the world. There's a slowness even to how God works in the world. But here's the beautiful part. And this is so encouraging for us as a church and it's encouraging for you as you sense God calling you to something or working in you in some way or doing something in you. Small and slow does not equal insignificant. Small and slow does not equal insignificant. Some of the most significant things that God has accomplished came in small and slow ways. I mean, why didn't God just show up with his son full force? Why did he send Jesus in a, in a, as a baby among farm animals with a poor family in an obscure part of the world? Why, why did God do that? Why did, God, why did Jesus choose some of the most ordinary people as his first disciples? People that some of you, if you, if you lead organizations or people or manage in some ways, might have never decided to choose. Jesus chose these ordinary people. Jesus launched the church out of a second-floor apartment in Jerusalem. Why didn't he do it in the temple? Why didn't he do it in the, in the plaza? Why didn't he do it in the main why did the church launch in a second-floor apartment in Jerusalem? It's just 120 people praying. Most of Paul's letters are written while he's sitting in a prison cell. Most of his letters are written when he's sitting with in the, one of the, some of the worst environments. And when you, if, you, if you research and read about some of the revivals that have taken place in the last several hundred years or throughout history, so many of those incredible revivals that have reached nations with the gospel started with three or four people praying, four or five people praying, 10 or 11 people praying, just a handful of people doing something. And you track what all, all the beautiful things that came out of some of those early starts And you see, okay, God works in different ways. He's not building a campaign strategy, an awesome website, and splashing the world with his brand. It's like, oh, God works different ways. But here's the good thing. His kingdom, even though it can sometimes function in smallness and slowness, is not dormant. It's not dormant. It grows and it spreads and it influences. In the church, we see it globally and we see it locally. We see new things start. Even in our own city, we see, we see new spurts of growth and mission happening and God uh, flooding people's lives and we begin to see that. But here's the beautiful thing. Here, see the posture of how God's kingdom works doesn't limit its growth. See, we think that to go big, we have to seek big, right? We think that to be great, we have to seek greatness, We think that to be light, we have to seek the limelight. And God says, no, that's not how my kingdom works. Don't seek bigness. Don't seek greatness. Don't seek the limelight. Trust me. 
we're going to do something beautiful here. Trust me, my kingdom is going to be at work. My kingdom is not dormant. The posture of how God's kingdom works doesn't limit its growth or its impact. You know, last week we celebrated the church. We celebrated even who we are as a church. It was such a beautiful time. And one of the things we said, and we've said over and over again, we don't feel like we have to feel, we don't feel like we're ambis- uh, the ambition or the call to be the bigger or better or cooler church in the city. But we do want to reflect God's kingdom. That's the key to reflect God's kingdom. Whatever God does with that will follow. And we must never, ever put a lid on growth. Even though the posture can be smallness and slowness, we never put a lid on growth. See, some people read that analogy and then say, oh, well, then we're only, we always just pursue small things. That's not, we can't limit what God does to a parable, right? Parables are stories. But we can't also use the parable or the seed as an excuse for non-growth. And at the same time, we can't use a metaphor to just put God in a box, but God is telling us, this is how I work, and this is how I long you, for you to work. Trust me, I'm not dormant. Something's going to happen. Because here's the beautiful thing. The nature of a mustard seed is that it grows and that it will one day show. And it has shown. It has shown all over the world. But even when we start things or enter into new seasons, it starts, it grows, it shows. See, because people find life in God. And everyone will benefit from God's kingdom growth. And I love that image at the end of the parable, right? Where, where Jesus, as he's telling the stories, he says, as this tree gets big, the birds will come and perch on its branches. And that's amazing because that tells us that even when we're doing our, our job as a church, even when we're seeing people come to faith, not everyone is going to come to follow Jesus, but some people will benefit from the shade of the tree. Some people will come. Jesus says, the birds will come and perch on its branches. Meaning that as we continue to follow what God calls us to do, some of our growth, some of our fruit, we will literally see people come to faith and follow Jesus. We'll see the kingdom grow. But sometimes as the kingdom grows, as God's work grows among us, sometimes people will just benefit from the shade of what we're doing, the relief of what we're doing, the hope or the compassion of what we're doing. So as we... as I kind of want to help us understand how, we, how, do we, how do we process that? How do we move forward this way? How do we live the way of the kingdom? Four really quick things. And I promise there'll be like a couple of minutes each. The first one is that the kingdom is, a, is always a planting work. It's always a planting work. Like I was thinking about my uncle's, you know, like, I mean, I have great tomato salad in the summer, right? But I, I realized that uh, when I'm eating that tomato salad, there was a planting work that took place, like in February, under soil through a seed from last season, right? There's a planting work that took place for me to have an amazing tomato salad and just enjoy that. And so even in, the king, even in kingdom work, there's planting work. Verse 31 says that, the, that, that, that basically this person who went out and planted this mustard seed went into the field and planted it. So there's this idea that kingdom work is planting work. And it works two ways. We must let it get into us, planted into us, God's kingdom into us, so it grows within us. And we must plant God's kingdom around us. It's always a planting work. Just because there could be a smallness or a slowness or a subversiveness to how God's kingdom works, it doesn't mean we sit back passively. No, we say we let the kingdom seed in us, and then we seed the kingdom 
other places around us. The, the second piece of this is it's dependent work because this whole metaphor is Jesus saying, listen, God is in control here. God is at work here. The kingdom, when it comes, it starts to grow and work. So you must recognize that God is with you always, that I'm with you always, that you are with me and I am with you. And Jesus says this in so many other parts of the New Testament. So it's dependent work. See, the plant needs to seed to start. Bread needs yeast to grow. We all need Jesus to be continually growing in God's kingdom. This other piece of this is this. It's like, it's deep work. It's deep work. Man, I don't know. Do, do you, when I say deep work, does that scare anybody? Because it's like, well, deep work, it, that, like, you can't just get that, like, you know, like when you, um, when you watch a really fun video and you get a buzz? You're like, oh, that was so, like your brain, like, you know, I don't know what they call it, some part of your brain where kind of some light flickers off because you watch something that was fun and you're like, and that just is gone. That's not deep work. That just like flickered your brain. We, we're, we, I think we were sometimes wondering, like, how does deep work work? The kingdom doesn't just come and be like, okay, this is cool. Oh, great. I like that. Oh, awesome. This is fun. Oh, this is going to be amazing. No, deep work is something that, that gets right into who we are and begins to infiltrate in a good way and starts to work in us and do something amazing in us. And I love how Jesus adds the, the parable of yeast. You know, when you think of yeast as it gets put into dough, like there's dough would be just completely flat without yeast. And as, as yeast gets put into dough, it goes like from particle to particle and it starts infiltrating the dough, like just throughout as it gets kneaded and, and all that kind of stuff. And so as that starts to slowly work into it, it spreads and it infiltrates and slowly this bread this piece of dough, it's enabled to rise because the yeast has gone everywhere. And it wasn't just a quick work. It wasn't just a flash in the pan work. It was a deep work. Man, I can tell you in my own life, there's been moments where I, um, I think like I've, I've avoided the deep and just gone for quick. And then I realized that really didn't do much for me. The kingdom wants to go deep. If we want the kingdom growth in us personally and together, we need to let it go deep. And deep doesn't necessarily mean quantity. It means quality. So here you have the summer before you, right? I mean, we're already we're here. It's June. And, and I love challenging around this, especially around the summer, because some people uh, have slower schedules or take some time off or just the, the longer days, you know, the sun is setting at 8 or 9 o'clock at night. It just makes us think like we got more time. And, and I think there's this beauty around it. And I'd say, like, over the summer, what could you do to allow the kingdom to go deep in you? You know, some people say, I want to read the Bible in a whole year. That's awesome. I've done that a couple of times, and it's great. But what if you took time to allow some of the places in the scriptures that are really getting your attention to go deep in you, to really dig into your heart and your mind and your soul? Imagine what would happen. So a couple of years ago, I started to really take seriously the Lord's Prayer. And some of you might have a Catholic background, and, and whenever we mention the Lord's Prayer, or initially you might be like, oh, man, they, did that. they made me say that prayer every day in school. And uh, it's just like words to me on a, on a piece of paper. And I understand that that could feel like that. But I remember when I really got wind of the Lord's Prayer, and I said, I'm going, I want to internalize this prayer. I want to not just memorize it. I want to internalize it. 
And as I started to memorize it and let every word and phrase seep in, I remember there, was, there has been moments either with people or on my own praying the Lord's Prayer where as it started getting deeper and deeper in me, God would use a word or a phrase from that prayer and says, this is what you need to focus on today. You're missing this. As, that, as the Lord's Prayer, which is a kingdom prayer, got deeply in me. Last uh, fall, I was feeling really, really anxious. I remember telling a friend about this. I was feeling really anxious, and I would go to bed at night just like my thoughts were all over the place, and I'm like, God, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel anxious? And maybe there was just so many things going on at the time, and I thought to myself, oh, maybe I should, I should like, think about Psalm 23. You know, like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside quiet waters. He, he makes me lie down by green pastures and restores my soul, and And I thought, so I started to say that, think about it in my mind. And I realized, I know that psalm, but I don't have it memorized. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to memorize this psalm fully. I don't know why. There were some words that felt like they weren't in my brain. And I'm like, I'm going to memorize it. And it's, it's been so good because there's been evenings where it's like every, the lights are closed. I lay down. I just lay down in my bed. And then I'll, I will literally just recite Psalm 23. And there's a portion of it that God just uses to nurture my heart and nurture my soul. These are things that are going deeper than just saying them or just reading them. So it's important. Here's the last piece. It's patient. It's patient work. The kingdom is patient work. Seeds are slow and steady. And so when we pray and we serve on mission, it takes time. Even in this new location we're going into, I'm so excited about it. And I'm not so concerned about, you know, bigger, better, uh, more on the map or whatever. What I know to be true is that regardless if we're here or there or how, uh, however God's going to use this next season and beyond, I realize it's still going to be the slow work of ministry. It's still going to be teaching and discipling and counseling. And I'm not saying me to you. I'm saying all of us to one another. It's neighboring and connecting and praying and, and being with one another and being present with each other and, 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 and just lifting up each other in prayer and considering being a witness to those around us. All that is patient work. It just slowly takes time. Slowly takes time. It's still a patient work. Just this week, I was talking with someone from our church community that's involved in business and has an international um, site in another part of the world. And... Uh, And I was talking to them, and, and they mentioned something to me. And I said, oh, I've been thinking about the mustard seed this week and just the slow work of the, the kingdom. And they, they texted back to me and said, you know what? For the first time this week, for the first time this week, I was able to pray with my managers on my team in our global office. It's not a Christian company. It's not a Christian outfit. You know, they, they do work for other companies. And, and it's like, but... The beauty is, I was, as I was tracking the story, there's been this desire. How do, we, how do I slowly see the kingdom at work, even in my business? And there's this real belief, like, yeah, we're, we're doing something slow and small, even among these top managers. Something is happening. Something's happening. So I want to close by saying this. So we, we talked about, um, what, how do we say this? Planting work. It's dependent work. It's deep work, it's patient work. But here's the beautiful thing about this, this story that's good for you and for me. And all that we do as a church, but even how God calls you and uses you, even in your every ordinary life, because this is the beauty of God's kingdom. God uses ordinary people. And so you and I have a disproportionate amount of influence or an influence that's disproportionate to our size. 
See, that mustard seed was only this small. Maybe you can kind of put up the seed there. The mustard seed was so small. And Jesus says the influence of the kingdom is disproportionate to the size of the start. The influence of what I'm going to do in the world is disproportionate to the posture in how I do it in the world. See, the world says, go big and go high and go strong and go wide. And, and often what God is saying is, trust me, my kingdom is not dormant. It's, go, it's working. And its influence and impact is disproportionate to the posture of it. To the posture of it. And I came across this, this podcast, I think it's called In- Invisible 99% or something like that. And they shared this story about this airport in Newfoundland called Gander Airport. And uh, it was built in 1938. And then uh, it was just a small-scale kind of dream. And then post-World War II, it literally became the largest international airport. The largest international airport somewhere far in Newfoundland. Right? And it became the stopover when flights, um, first airplanes um, still needed to refuel for longer trips. So it became stopovers at times for international flights. But it was a super small town. I mean, nobody, like, Gander's like a few thousand people. And this international airport gets on the scene, and all of a sudden, it's just interesting because they start, their size is this small, but their influence was disproportionate to their size. So the Beatles went through Gander. Um, Frank Sinatra went through Gander, and apparently there's a story where he's, he buds in line, and the the guy behind the counter says, hey, get in the back of the line. It's like, who are you? I don't know. And so Frank Sinatra goes through Grander. Marilyn Monroe goes through Grander. Castro is, is there for a couple of days from Cuba, and they bring him sledding because there's snow. He's like, I've never seen snow. They bring him sledding. And so Castro goes through Grander. The queen goes through Gander. The queen lands at Gander. And so over the years, Gander became this this small little spot on the map that had this disproportionate influence and impact. And, and then, of course, over the, the last century, you know, as planes were able to fly longer and things like that, the use of grandeur started to die out a little bit. But in 9-11, when 9-11 hit, every airplane in America was, said, any plane that was flying to the U.S. had said, you cannot land here. You cannot land here. Soon as that happened... So all the flights that, were, flights that were coming from Europe that were not allowed to turn, that, that couldn't turn back, they had to land somewhere. So just in that morning, 38 flights holding 7,000 people land in Gander, Newfoundland. And they're not stuck there for an afternoon. They're stuck there for three or four days. And um, Rex Murphy on, on CBC back then did a whole special on them that, that the people that landed there have these incredible stories of what happened to them in Grander, Newfoundland. People like, that worked in, like, in, in law firms in Boston and, uh, and high-tech companies and Wall Street in New York and, and, and global companies out of Europe. Here they are in Grander. And w- what they said, they said, we did not expect to experience what we experienced in Grander for three days. We experienced hospitality like we've never experienced it. We got to know people that we never would have gotten to know. And there's like a high-tech business person telling her story of how, of how I call my friends from Gander, the people that held me up in their home. They opened their homes for these people because there wasn't enough places to put them in the city. 
They stayed in, in Christian churches in basements and they fed them and, and, and people took their towels every day and brought them home to wash and they brought them back the next day and gave them clean towels. So this little town in Newfoundland has this disproportionate amount of influence compared to its size. Isn't that amazing? That's how the kingdom works. The kingdom works like that when we allow God and trust his posture and trust the way he works. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you call us to a different way, that you call us to the way of your kingdom. And sometimes, God, it's so hard in our world when we are just thrown so many, so many methods and philosophies and worldviews. And when we are tempted to go so fast and tempted to reach, just tempted for big when, we're, when there's nothing even big in our heart yet. Oh, God, help us to trust your ways in our work, in our relationships, in our families, in our parenting, in our friendships, in our dating relationships, in our businesses. God, help us to trust you in our ministry, in our mission, in our witness to the world. God, help us to be people who posture ourselves as your kingdom is, God. And to trust, to trust you that as we walk your way, Lord, whether through us or through a collection of many of us, your kingdom, the influence is disproportionate to the little pockets on the ground at time. May we trust you with that, God. Truly trust you with that, God. And we just anticipate how you're going to work in us, Lord. We pray that in this in this day, this week, this season, maybe particularly this summer, God, that we will really allow your kingdom to grow deep in us. God, may it be planted in us. May we be dependent on Jesus. May we allow its deep work. May we be patient. May that be the same for our mission as a church. God, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.